Okay, um, so guys, just to begin with, I thought it'd be nice for us to get into this Bible study together, that we just prepare our minds to be open. So to begin with, I thought I'll start by praying. So if we all pray. So, dear Lord, I pray that after today, we have a true understanding of what it means to have faith. I pray that we'll be challenged by what we learn from Mary today in a way that causes us to act, be uncomfortable, do something we've never done before, and welcome the Holy Spirit to shape our lives. I pray that Holy Spirit we see as a main course instead of thinking of you like the optional side dish of vegetables, which can leave and no harm is done. Amen. Amen. So yeah, as you can tell by my prayer, I love food. So me and God, there's always food involved. Okay, so firstly, guys, I'm so happy with this opportunity. And just to say, it's my first time. So please have some grace. If you don't understand anything, catch me the tea and coffee, and we can, you know, talk. And if you want more time, invite me over and my wife. <laughs> We'll come and enjoy food, hopefully not vegetarian stuff, uh, and get to know God together. <laughs> okay, so today we'll be looking at Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38, and this is the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, hang on, I know the story. I've been to school before. You know, it's the one where you act, it's a bit awkward, it's scary. But you know what? All she does is get pregnant and gives birth to Jesus, nothing more. But actually, after today, hopefully you guys will take away something that you didn't know about Mary. So to begin with, I'll be looking at uh, the verses. So me and my wife like to do things together. So I say to her, come and read for me, uh, just to make it easier for me as well. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank you, wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is from Luke. Um, I'm going to start at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a na man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went, went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Bertie. Okay, so um, I told one of our young people that I'm preaching on this passage, and just to kind of gauge what she thought, I said to her, if an angel came to you, and started saying all this stuff, how would you react? She said, Houston, I would think I'm going mad, and I go to the hospital. Uh, luckily, Mary didn't respond in that way. Okay, so who is Mary? So Mary, according to extensive research that I've been doing um, via Google, not Wikipedia, uh, because you can't trust it, was around 13 to 17. She had found favor with God. And how do we know this? In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, it says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. She would have been poor from a good Jewish family, 
And in my earlier draft, I wrote she would have gone to a good church, but actually church wasn't around at this time, so that's that. Okay, and she was a wife-to-be, and prior to this, professionally, she would not have been any kind of scholar or in any kind of training. If she had a LinkedIn account, it would not have been a very good account. So just in case you don't know what that is, it's an online profile that they use, uh, that employers use to kind of see whether you've got the qualities to become the job that they want you to do. Mary's account would have had one thing, she had faith, and that's it. Mary was a teenager, looking forward to a plan to get married and live with Joseph happily ever after. This is important because it shows us that Mary was an ordinary person, just like me and you. She had not prepared for the encounter or achieved any goals. Now, imagine in verse 33, she had responded in one of three ways. So the angel comes to her and she says, wow, but angel, have you thought about how my family will react? Have you thought about how Joseph will react? In fact, is it wise for me? Since I'm not married yet, I might get disowned. I might get stoned. I might lose my friends and family. And I'm not sure as a single mother whether I can raise a child alone. So for now, I would like to say yes, but my situation is a bit tight, God. So let me pray about it and get back to you soon. So it's not a no, but it's a maybe. Or she could have said option number two. I would like to pass for this season, but ask me at the end of the school term or the financial year, and I'll see where I'm at. I'm not ready to commit to, to, to this new season at the moment. Or excuse number three, which some of us use as Christians, uh, is a nice simple one. God, I don't mind if you bless someone else. <laughs> I am not worthy of such responsibility. I might get it wrong. I mean, God, do you know me? So had Mary responded in any of those excuses, she would not have been a bad person. She would have been held back by fear, fear of change, fear of comfort, or laziness, which means taking responsibility. Mary, the teenager, in response to the angel, welcomes the Holy Spirit in verse 38. Her answer is simple and straightforward. There's no small print, there's no you know, hidden words or hidden text. She simply says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary gives us a great example in the way she responds. This should lead us to question, how do we respond when the Holy Spirit speaks to us? Mary, bearing in mind, we confirmed earlier, was just a teenager. She was not a scholar. She was not leading any kind of growth group with tea and coffee and croissants and bacon. She was not extremely gifted in any way whatsoever. And to be fair, I'm not sure what kind of gift you would have to be asked to be the mother of Jesus. So for some of you listening to this, are like, yes, that's what I do on a daily basis. So some of you are like Mary. God speaks and you, and you go and do it straight away. The challenge to you guys is to be praying for your brothers and sisters, the guys that are sitting next to you, to inspire them to be like you. But if you're a person who makes excuses why you, can't be why you can't be obedient to God, I want you to stop worrying. Don't think about your never-ending to-do list. I've got a very long one. My wife asks to it sometimes. Stop praying. <laughs> Say, stop, stop worrying. Young people, turn off your Instagram, Snapchat. Stop worrying about your story. And listen, because this is for you. So I want you not to be focused on timing, because if you have given your life to Christ, you have an important mission which starts now. This should be shaping your life. There is a saying which says, how you spend your days is how you spend your weeks, how you spend your months and years. If you continue doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you get. So Paul tells us what is expected of me and you in Philippians 2, verse 12 to 14. He says, Dear friends, 
You have always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crook, crooked and perverse people. So what Paul is saying to the church in Philippi applies to us today. And not once in that um, verse does he say, follow God when it is suitable. When you have done your A-levels, you know, when you've got that promotion, or when you're married, or, or when you're on the property ladder. So it's, it's worth asking the question, how do you spend your time? So there's, I've got bits of paper that Lucas and Virtue are going to give you up for a small exercise. This is a two-minute exercise. If you go above the two minutes, uh, you'll, be, you'll make me sad. So please don't do that. Okay? So on this piece of paper, I want you to write, compared to five years ago, so five, what are you doing differently to show the results of your salvation? How are you responding to God with reverence and fear, as Paul says? So it's a two-minute exercise. Has anyone got a timer? Paul's keeping time. So you've got two minutes exactly. So just in case you missed it, compared to five years ago, what are you doing differently to show the results of your, of your salvation? How are you responding to God with reverence and fear? Did we all get that, or do we need the third one? You've got 30 seconds left. <laughs> okay. If you, if you haven't finished, don't worry. You can get a chance to finish at the end, or it can be a bit of homework. Okay. So maybe that was a difficult challenge for you, because maybe in the last five years, if you are being honest with yourself, actually you are not living in any way or shape or form that is causing you to act like what uh, Paul says. But maybe you've not started because you've got a plan. So my question to you is, what is your plan? So if you're a youth age, your plan might be asking out that person who you have a crush on for a date. It might be um, getting, your uh, getting your parents to buy you a puppy, a phone, or games console. So I know when I was uh, that kind of age, I wanted a moped, the little pew, pew, pew ones. <laughs> I said to my mom, mom, I want a moped. She said, no. I said, mom, please. And then she said, you know what? Son, you can get one, but you have, you have to pay for it yourself. I was earning £6.50 a week, so I think my mom's plan worked out. I never got a moped. <laughs> or maybe you're now between 16 and 18, and your plan is to get good grades, go to university, get an apprenticeship, get a job, and in your mind, you're thinking, I'll have lots of money, and with lots of money, I can give some money to God. And then I would like I would have completed life. Or maybe you're in young adults. Maybe your plan is to get a mortgage, get a nice, reliable car, date for a year, and then marry, be a pretty girl that's in worship, or the handsome young man that serves in youth. <laughs> he or she will be good with kids. And just in case you're wondering, we accept all ages in youth ministry. So if you want, speak to me by the tea and coffee. <laughs> okay. Maybe you're an adult and you've completed that whole study, job, house, marriage levels in life. Well done for completing those levels. But now you're ready to sit back and enjoy retirement. So I've not retired yet, and I cannot re relate to the hard work 
that's been put in by the people who have retired. But it's worth asking the question, what does running after God in retirement look like? What does it really mean, pursuing God? And if you have not done that, it's something you should pray about. So one thing as humans we should do is we make a plan. And there's nothing wrong with making a plan. In the Bible, it clearly says in Proverbs 16, verse 9, the heart of a man or woman plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The problem is when we try and get God to fit around our plans. In doing so, we're not being obedient. We're trying to trick God, which is quite a silly notion when you think about it. But some of us, that's what we're doing. We come up with a great idea. We're like, God, you know what? I would like to do this and live here and live here. Oh, yeah, God, also, please bless me as I do this. So the question is, so the question we should be asking is, God, what is my part in your great plan? So for Mary, we, we also learned that there's nothing wrong with asking for details. So when, she, when the angel comes to her and she's told she'll give birth to her son, Mary asks a very good question. How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Basically, in short, Mary says, Lord, I'm in. So how we, how we respond to God is what's important. And the truth is, if we do not keep ourselves accountable to each other and to God, we, we can be indirectly having God as a side story, not the main story. So just like I prayed, you know, we don't want to think of God as a side dish of vegetables, which you can just push to one side. But actually, God is the meat, is the chicken, is the steak. Okay. <laughs> so if God is the one who establishes the way, then make, make no mistake, your plan is the least most important thing. God has no limits, and sometimes we can be fixated on our small plan that we forget who God is. Francis Chan is a preacher that came and spoke at New Day. Uh, it's a yearly camp that we go to for those that serve in youth ministry. And in his book, Crazy in Love, he says, not being able to fully understand God is frustrating, but it's ridiculous for us to think we have the right to limit God to something we are capable of comprehending. We are, what a stunted, insignificant God that would be. If my mind is the size of a soda can and God is the size of all the oceans, it would be stupid for me to say he is the only small amount of water I can scoop into my little can. God is so much bigger, far beyond our time in case, air, food, sleep-dependent lives. Therefore, our plans are so insignificant when we think about the God we serve. Instead, we should be praying daily and listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and make our plans based on God and not adding God as the cherry on top. So the question to you guys is, how much does God really feature in our day-to-day -day lives? Are we people that come to Sunday church? Tick. Midweek group? Tick. Serve in one ministry? Tick. Do you think that really describes your part in God's great plan? Or is there more? So I'm, I am reminded of two stories in, in the Bible of people that were told about God's plan, but, but how they reacted was differently. So firstly, I'll start with Jonah. So Jonah was asked simply to go and preach to the Ninevites and make sure that they repent. Basically, he was sending them the letter, the final warning letter, to say, you guys haven't been listening? This letter's come in red. It's a very serious letter. 
But Jonah was very angry, and he thought these guys would be avoiding what he felt they deserved. So he had a plan to make sure that the Ninevites never repented and that they needed punishing. So much so that he went, so, so much so that when he was sent to warn them to change their ways, he did the opposite. As a result, he spent three nights in a well, and then eventually he's spat out by the beach and he carries out God's plan. And the Ninevites re repent and God saves them. Now, it's only until recently, after me and Andy Woodward in our CS Bible studies, we're talking about Jonah, and actually, we both came to the conclusion that Jonah, what he was being asked to do was like me or you, someone saying to you, I feel you should go to China and tell them about God. I feel you should go to Mecca or go to you know, um, Syria and tell them that God is not happy with what they're doing and that they'll be killed. So going to this place would not be an easy thing. And actually, if you're putting those shoes, it might be tempting for you to say, God, you know what? Let me save you the trouble. These are bad people. I know that. You know that. And in fact, I'm going to catch a flight and go the opposite direction so that that plan doesn't happen. And that's what Jonah did. And actually, it's not crazy, and he's not such a coward after all. Or compare him to Abraham. Abraham always wanted a son, and the Lord gave him a son in his old age. And then he was asked to sacrifice his son. So if you put yourself again in Abraham's shoes, it would have made sense for Abraham to say, God, come here a second. Let's talk about this. Let's do a bit of negotiation. God, you know what? I'm going to compromise um, and meet you halfway. I'm going to serve in two ministries instead of one. Or God, you know what? I've got five cows. I'm going to give you two instead. And, but he uh, didn't do that. And if he, had, if he was clever enough, you know, as we all think we are, he might have worded it in, God, I will do my best, which is what we do as Christians sometimes. Instead of committing, we know what God wants us to do, but we kind of hide behind, God, you know what, I'll do my best. This gives you room, just in case you change your mind and you do your own thing, you can say, God, you know what, I never fully committed. I said I'll do my best, and I'm a sinner, Lord, so I'm sorry again. So Abraham was prepared to do what the Lord said, regardless of how his happy ever after plan would take place. He took his son, and he laid him on a table with sticks, blindfolded him, and he was about to, to literally cut his throat open, but God stepped in, and in Genesis we read, but the angel of the Lord stopped him. The angel called from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he answered, yes. The angel said, do not kill your son or hurt him in any way. Now I can see that you, you respect God and obey God. I see that you are ready to kill your son, your only son for me. Then Abraham noticed a ram whose horns was caught in a bush. So Abraham went and took the ram. He offered it instead of his son as a sacrifice to God. So Abraham gave the place the Lord provides. Even today, people say, on the mountain of the Lord, he will give us what we need. Now, I want you to imagine we are in a prayer meeting, and let's say we've all got our eyes shut, we're all standing up, and someone starts to walk towards you, and you see them from the corner of your eye, think, what are you doing? And he comes to you and he puts his hand on your shoulder and he says, brother, I feel like the Lord wants you to go to China soon to start a church plant. It's quite easy for you to go, get off me. You know, it's not true. Or to kind of question it. But just imagine that. Would your response be like Jonah or like Abraham? Are you weighing up, you know, in that moment, someone is telling you what God is saying. Are you weighing up? 
well, I could do it, but you know, I've got a mortgage to pay. I've got my kids. You know, my kids go to a good school. I can't just go to China. I can't speak. You know, I can't even speak Chinese. Okay. <laughs> and that's something in a nursing we call doing a risk assessment. So, being a mental health nurse, at times, if someone has to do an activity, we sign a form to say, is it is the risk high or is the risk low? If the risk is high, we sign the paper to say they won't be doing it because the risk is too high. And some of us as Christians, that's what we're doing. So let's just say Mary had that same mindset. Let's say Mary was someone who could assess the risk and take the safer option. There is free will, but this message would be different if I was standing here telling you, and then Gabriel asked Margaret instead, because Mary felt it was not the right season for her. It would have been a strange story. But for Mary, we can learn that we have to drop our plans and follow his. In verse 38, Mary simply answers, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me, sorry, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So like Mary, we can all have faith to follow what God's plans for us, because we know they're good. Most of you Christians will know the famous verse, which is Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 14, which says, For, for I have the plans... So, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you call me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. So some of us are captive to our own plans. Plans which are not guaranteed to work if God is not a part of them. And if they do appear to be working, they won't give us what we truly want which is knowing our, our identity, purpose, having joy, or knowing what will happen when we stop being part of this world, and many other great things. Some of you say yes when the Lord speaks, but you're scared about what uh, people will think. Regardless of your age, stage, everyone wants to be liked. No one wants to be the abnormal, strange, awkward person. So how often do we hold back from standing up for what is right because we are scared? because we don't want to be disliked. How many of us ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit to share our faith because it's awkward? And what some of us do is we hide behind the phrase, I would, but I'm not called. We see other Christians going, um, sorry, we see other Christians risking their lives, going to share the gospel, giving up their comforts, doing crazy things like preaching, prophetic dancing, or singing. Yet some of us sit there and say, well, I would, but I'm not called. My question to you is, did Jesus call you to watch TV? Did Jesus call you to go on that really nice holiday which you went on? If you are being honest with yourself, the answer to that will be no. But you might say, well, in the Bible it says it's good for you to rest. Or the Bible says a lot of things. And in fact, Jesus himself says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So what that looks like for you guys, that is up to you guys to decide. But I think what Jesus is saying there is that sometimes we can be too comfortable where we are and not act. And if you're not acting, it means as a Christian, you're not playing your part, which makes you pretty much a bit useless, I guess. No offense. <laughs> so um, one of my good friends, uh, Mike Yates, um, in our small group said, guys, it's okay to be awkward as long as you're doing it for Jesus. So if we compare that to Mary, Mary telling Joseph... We are going to have a child, and the father is going to be God, and we're going to raise this child together. That's pretty awkward. She might have thought, oh, gosh, that's too awkward. And instead, say, God, you know, I would, but if I was married, I'd do it. But since I'm not, you know what? 
I might just have to sit this one out. But instead, she listened and told Joseph, regardless of the cost or pride. So a good question to you would be, what are you not doing because it's awkward? So since we're all family here, I can share and no one will judge me. Uh, I was asked to preach a while back, maybe three or four months ago. And I thought about it, I thought, hey, that's embarrassing. I'm going to be standing here speaking to myself for my whole life, which is about 30 minutes in real time. And I thought to myself, you know what? I said to them, I'll pray about it, and I'll get back to you. And I made sure I avoided them. And another example, I was talking to a friend in church, and we were you know, having a good conversation about football. Then he starts talking about his struggles. And then I thought, oh, man, that's too awkward. So I could have prayed for that person, but I thought to myself, you know what? Let's cut this conversation short. I said, you know what? Don't worry about it, mate. God's in control. Tapped him on his shoulder, and I left. Now, instead, what we are called to do is what's in Philippians 4, verse 6. And it's quite simple and clear. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So by prayer and by petition. So just in case you're not sure, we are called to pray, because it says in the Bible, and we are called to share our faith. So what do we learn from Mary? So Mary is a young girl, but when God approached her with a big ask, she simply said yes. By saying yes, she didn't guarantee comfort, she didn't guarantee an easy ride with friends and family, and she didn't try hard to fit this request into her plan. Mary did not hesitate, or need a night to think about it. She simply responded, yes. As a church at the moment, we're talking about revival culture, and point number three, unfortunately we don't have the banners anymore, it says, obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit immediately. In your heart of hearts, being honest with yourself, are you responding immediately? Following God is not always the easy and popular choice, but as we know, we serve a powerful God. He wants to bless us, and he's always with us in everything we do. When we as humans have limitations, the God we serve is a God who can do anything. As a church, I want to encourage you, if you take away anything from my debut speech, preach, <laughs> is to challenge yourself to be in a situation where you're doing something that normally you would avoid. To be doing something that gets your heartbeat going faster. If you, could guys, like if you guys could hear my heart earlier, it was going like a million miles. To do something, not because it's in your plan or it's comfortably, but because you know you're doing it for God. So for some of you, that means giving more time. For some of you, it means giving more money to church. And for some of you, you need to pray about it and work out what it is. But what I will say is, brothers and sisters, we need to be awkward, each and every one of us. And we shouldn't settle for playing it safe. Um, so to end, I think we should all be reminded daily about a verse in Romans chapter 14, verse 12, which says... So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. This is the God who created the heavens and earth, and the same God who gave up his son for us. Some of us, today, we need to repent. Some of us here are like Jonah. Some of us, we know what God has called us to do, but we're trying to do the opposite, because somehow we think we're doing him a favor. How you respond is your choice, but we all need to respond. So... To end, Paul's going to come and... <laughs> this is our plan B. <laughs> All right, why, don't thank, why don't we thank Houston for sharing with us here.
So I mean, the question for us is how um, how are we going to respond? Uh, we, you know, we, we, I was really struck when Houston was pro, was kind of talking. We we were praying earlier a number of times during worship. You know, we want you know God so loves our town, right? God so loves our, our friends, our family. Uh, I was really struck. Well, actually, he loves he loves them, and so he sends us, right? So this you know this Christmas, how will how we re, how will we respond to the Holy Spirit this Christmas? When he asks us to be awkward, how will we respond this Christmas? Uh, when he asks us to step out and move, so I, I think it'd be really good actually for us to stand. Um, yeah, yeah. And what we're going to ask you to do, I think it's a, it's a moment here actually to say for, for all of us: Do we want to be a people? Do we want to be a passive people this Christmas, uh, or do we want to be a people who are? who are happy with being uncomfortable for Jesus. Um, when I was talking to Houston earlier, he was saying it'd be actually it's a great opportunity actually just to, to force ourselves to be uncomfortable. So I think it'd be brilliant uh, if you're saying, Jenny, yeah, God, I, I want to be uncomfortable for you this Christmas. I want to obey immediately whenever you speak to us. Uh, if you want to do that, why don't you, as a, a step of faith, step forward, come forward to the front, and we're going to get, we're going to get Houston to pray over us. Uh, and ask God to give us boldness and courage uh, this Christmas. Yeah. Peace, mate. Do you want to lead us? Yep. Dear Lord, I just thank you that you're an amazing God. And Lord, I just thank you that you love each and every one of us. And you've got plans for each and every one of us which are good. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us is like Mary. Lord, I pray that when you speak, we listen. And Lord, I pray that we act. Lord, I pray that we don't get sidetracked by the, by the things of this world. Lord, I pray that we don't try and negotiate with ourselves to try and talk ourselves into doing what we want, but actually, Lord, I pray that we learn to obey you. Lord, I thank you that through you we can be saved, and everything else of this world can turn into dust, but our relationship with you will never change. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that everyone here is brave. I pray that everyone here is awkward in workplaces, in school, or in social situations. Lord, I pray that we are people that share our faith and not keep it as a secret. Lord, I pray that people know us and they'll ask us questions. And Lord, I pray, regardless of cost, we'll share our faith with people. And Lord, I pray for those of us that are thinking, well, you know what, I'm not cold. Lord, I pray for those people to be bold and to be courageous. And Lord, I pray that they start just by preaching to their neighbors, just by inviting them next week to this prayer service. But Lord, I pray most importantly that we are people that do something and not nothing. Lord, I pray we are people that act and are people that are changed. Amen. Just a second before we go, I just want to really want to just take a moment. There's an opportunity here as well for us to just take a moment to repent. So just thinking how Mary responded, just thinking about the, the Abraham and Jonah things, and just thinking of the times that I know God's spoken to me, and I thought, well, I'm not doing that. And we all, we all have that. We all have the moments where God speaks, and we just think, no. No, I'm doing that. And, um, and if we don't repent of that and, and receive forgiveness that God wants to give us, what we end up with is carrying guilt around. And it undermines us every time we think, oh, I'm going to take a step, and the enemy reminds us. But remember when you've said no before, we think, oh, yeah, God wouldn't use me. And so the way to deal with that is to just take a moment and say, you know, God, I'm sorry. Because what God wants to do is say, yeah, have forgiveness and know my forgiveness. And we've all done that. We've all gone the opposite direction when God's told us to do something. And so just now is a chance for us just to go, you know, Lord, 
you know my heart, you know where I've got it right, you know where I've got it wrong. And just now I just want to choose to come before you and just ask for your forgiveness. And just to, just to receive your forgiveness. Because the enemy will want you to be bound with guilt and shame and God will want you to know forgiveness and freedom. And so just now, just where you are, just take a moment. Maybe there's a very specific moment that's come to your mind that still haunts you. Well, just, just now give it to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I receive your forgiveness. And I choose to go again for you, knowing that every time I do get it wrong, I can keep coming for forgiveness again. Because you are a loving and gracious God. And so, Lord, we just together, just so many times I can think about, Lord, we're sorry. And we thank you that actually through Jesus, what we can come and leave that with him and receive from you love and acceptance, forgiveness, commissioning to go again. Thank you, God, you choose to use us again and again and again. And you'll never reject us but you'll keep coming to us again and again. And so, Lord, we just say we're sorry. We just offer ourselves to you again right now. So have your way. I choose to go again for you. Commission me. Even this week, even this week ahead, would you commission me and would I be on the front foot to respond to you as you lead me, wherever that might be. Just receive forgiveness now, wherever you are. Right. I firmly believe when we ask God to, uh, to, to, to give us opportunity uh, to step out for him, that he will give us opportunity. So let me encourage you this week, as God gives you opportunity, uh, would, you, uh, uh, would we be a people who, who take the opportunity? And the next Sunday, come and encourage this man with loads and loads of stories of how you stepped out and followed Jesus uh, and how God moved in the, the lives around you. Uh, but yeah, do come and tell Houston next week so he knows what he can hear all about it. Um, Houston, thank you so much for sharing thank God's you. word. Thank you.